somebody was giving me about my pants. I tell you, with this kind of group up here speaking, I need something to get somebody's attention, I'm sure of that. I feel a little bit better. I was really very nervous about talking to you this morning until Dr. Teller got up, and uh, I felt better about it because Dr. Teller talked about defense and offense. Uh, and uh, he, he forgot the kicking game. That's the only part of his, his speech that I didn't realize the scientists were quite that up on football. I guess I'm here really because, uh, as you people are, why I was a great honor student when I was in high school. Yes, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. <laughs> and I'm really embarrassed to take anybody's time up here. I would. I almost felt like saying, "Hey, let." Uh, let that Catella talk for another five minutes if you wanted to and take it off my time. But I want to just kind of share a couple of thoughts with you today because I think that you are young people who challenge all of us who have dealt with young people. I've been associated in college football for 34 years. Uh, hopefully it's not been a, a, a one-area association with young people. Hopefully we've done some things besides teach them how to play a little football and have a little fun playing it and have some success doing it because I think that's absolutely vital. I think all of us who are connected with intercollegiate athletics today face very difficult times. Uh, we're trying very hard to, to give our young people the kind of competition they want. We're trying to give a lot of our high school students an opportunity to get a college education because they are able to compete athletically, whether it's in football or basketball or track, whatever it may be. We do create opportunities for them to go to college, and yet, on the other hand, uh, we have found ourselves, because of the, the tremendous pressure on us to to, uh, to to be able to finance those kinds of sports, uh, we've had to compete for television dollars, and as a result, sometimes we've looked over the academic achievements of a high school student in order to just get him in because he's such a great athlete. And that bothers all, many of us, and many of us who stood up and talked about significant academic standards, challenge young people who are athletes, trying at all times to make them understand that there are too many people at the age of 30 who had visions of being great professional athletes and who have achieved financial rewards at the age of 30 are, un, are misfits. There's no way for them to go. There's no life for them. There's nobody they can associate with. They're very rich people who cannot handle the social activities that rich people have, or the opportunities that are presented to them as rich people, or the, the ability to have an input back into society because they have just not had the kind of education necessary for them to adjust. So we've got to somehow start right from the beginning. We've got to make up our minds that we are not going to and we're not going to take people into our institutions. We're not going to jeopardize the academic integrity of our institutions by taking such people in who obviously cannot, they, they cannot get the rewards that a, a college education should give them, and we cannot raise their expectations falsely for us to take people into college who cannot benefit by it, who really have no chance to come away four years later with a, a significant education and a degree if possible. The degree doesn't even bother me as much as the fact that they don't even get the kind of education necessary for them to understand who they are, what they are, what they can do, and where they, where they can lead good lives. So that's a very difficult thing for us right now. And I think when I talk to you people here today, because some of you are athletes, student athletes, the point I, I would like to get across is that you have such a magnificent opportunity in front of you to really demonstrate significant leadership. 
uh, as somebody said to me coming in here, isn't this exciting? It is exciting. And it's, it's exciting to have people such as these great scientists and great business people here. But the exciting part of it is to be part of you people, to really have an opportunity to understand a little bit of what you're thinking. Because as we look at this country and this world 15, 20 years from now, the changes in it will be made by you people. Not going to be made by me. I'm an old man. I'm, I'm ready to, to throw it in and watch you folks operate. But there are some things you've got to understand. And I think it's very important. There was some talk here this morning about the fact that whatever you, that the great thing about this country is that you can stand up and you can disagree. When I was at Brown back in the late 40s, we had a great professor by the name of Barnaby Keeney who ended up being president of the university. And he always talked about the divinity of discontent. Don't ever lose your divine discontent. Right? Ask. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid not to be unique. Don't be afraid to be different. Right? Don't, don't try to be consistent. Emerson, in one of the great essays of all times on self-reliance, uh, written over 100 years ago, which is probably describes the soul of the American dream. He said, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Right. Speak out hard today and speak out hard tomorrow, even if what you say tomorrow differs from what you said today. It's important that you're innovative. You're eager. You know who you are. Be the people you want to be. Don't be the people your parents want you to be. If you happen to be an athlete, your coach wants you to be. Don't be the people that anybody wants you to be except who you want to be and what you want to be. Because I think it's absolutely vital. We through you bring 300 and something people, such as you people here, the caliber of people, the minds, and obviously the accomplishments and the commitment and the discipline to be able to be recognized as you have been recognized to bring you here and to have you look at each other and to understand that every one of you is completely different than anybody else. That nobody in this world has ever been exactly the same as you are. Nobody. There has never been a person exactly like you in the history of the world, and there never will be. And for us to think that each and every one of you ought to fit a model or a mold or any kind of uh, a role model is it's wrong. What's important is that as you approach the, the most dynamic time of your life and the most productive, right, that you be the things that you want to be. And I don't, I maybe get carried away a little bit, but it's the only thing I feel very strongly about that I could contribute to this group today. Because today we're so afraid of change. Some of the older people in this world just don't seem to understand that change is with us, will always be with us, and there's nothing we can do about it. And we either can be victims of change or we can take charge of change. And we can only take charge of change at, if we have some people who are innovative, who have commitment and have discipline. So I'm really honored to be here, and I really feel that I'm going to learn a lot more from having an association with you folks than certainly that, uh, that I can contribute to you folks. So good luck to you, and God bless you, and I hope we have a couple of good days. And if there's any questions, I'll be happy to. problem is drug use in college football and how is the problem dealt with? Well, I think drug uh, use in, in 
college athletics is just as bad as it is anyplace else in society. I've always been a believer athletics is nothing but a mirror of what's going on in the rest of society and what's going on on our campus. I think it's a problem. How big a problem is tough to say. Uh, I think it's, it's less of a problem today than it was two or three or four years ago because there's more education in the high schools. There's more uh, education on the campuses. More coaches are aware of it. I think that the, the article in Sports Illustrated several years ago about the pro football situation was, was a great thing. We took some situations out of the closet and we presented it to the public and coaches and other people became aware of it. So I think once you become aware of a problem, you can start to do something about it and we are doing some things with it. We still have a problem. It's not solved, but we're working at it. Uh, do you think that the recent NCAA regulations um, increasing the standards for incoming um, high school athletes. Will that help raise the standard of education in college or will it simply discriminate against the minorities who haven't had the opportunities in high school to learn? Well, I don't know where you really get into the discrimination of minorities. That bothers me a little bit. Uh, when you start with 700 in the college board scores and then say that you're discriminating against a, a whole segment of people, it's tough for me to swallow, to be very honest with you. I, we're not talking about 900 or 1,000 in the boards. We're talking very marginal standards. And I don't think there's any question that perhaps the SAT scores are uh, discriminatory against certain groups. I won't argue that. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, professional uh, tester or uh, educator in that sense. But I think unless we start to challenge young people to read more and to comprehend and to compute that... <laughs> And, uh, to a level that at least they can test at 700, then I don't think we're ever really going to have people who can can get the things they should get out of college. Now, a lot of people have got to understand that there are two propositions that were passed. There was Proposition 48, which demanded that they have uh, uh, two average and 11 core subjects. And the 11 core subjects are not very tough. You're talking three years of English, two years of mathematics, so forth. You're not talking about four years of English and four years of math and and a foreign language. You're not talking about that. But we want B's and core subjects, 11 of them, or C's and core subjects, and we also want, of course, have the 700 in the college board scores. But there was a Proposition 49B which said that if you, if you get a youngster because of certain disadvantages he may have had and he can't test well, he can't get 700 on a test, that he still can be admitted to a university, but he can't play as a freshman. He can still get financial aid. And in, but he can't practice. So if a kid's a good basketball player and he does not have the academic background necessary to handle work in college, well, you take the basketball out of his hand. You get him off the basketball court and you stick him with a tutor or in the library till you can, you can give him the remedial work he needs. Same way football. Take the football out of his hand, take him off the football field, give him remedial work so he catches up, and then he can compete in the classroom and have, her, uh, have an opportunity to get a worthwhile education. I think that's, that's the point we're trying to make. Uh, Again, testing is a, you know, that's one of those things that's tough, but I don't think 700 should be discriminatory against anybody. What is Penn State doing in particular to ensure that their athletes get a quality education? Well, number one, we have to start with, with uh, making sure you identify people that belong at your institution. I think that's important. We try, I don't get involved in the admissions office decisions. We have an admissions officer who tells me so-and-so is a good bet or so-and-so can't do it, and that's his business. He's a professional uh, admissions 
person. He doesn't coach the football team, and I don't run the admissions office. And we got a pretty good deal going. All right? Although at times I second-guess him, and at times he second-guesses me. But that makes it nice. All right? We've both got some areas we disagree. Uh, that's number one. Number two, we try to give them extensive testing uh, prior to their, their starting school. Find out if a kid comes from a high school and has an A in, ma in mathematics, that that mathematics curriculum in that high school may not be really that good. He may have aspirations to be an engineer or something where he needs a strong math background and may not have it, so that we can start with some remedial work right there. We have a compulsory study hall for the athlete for the first year, four nights a week, uh, only because of the tremendous pressure of being eligible as freshmen. We worry about that. We don't think freshmen should be eligible to play football or basketball. I personally don't think that, but the rule is that they can. So we have a, a study hall so we can get them over that and we make sure we sit them down and those kinds of things. And we're constantly trying to help them determine what they want to, what kind of courses they want to take. We don't want to tell them what to take because I don't think that's fair to them. And the very point I made was that I think they're entitled to be the people they want to be. They enjoy football fine. So it's a combination of things, attention, some remedial work, the, the, uh, the ounce of prevention, work the pound of cure kind of thing, trying to get the tests done before they get there. Coach, thank you very much. Thank right you, Coach. Coach Joe Sterno.